Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 74. His parents were really restrictive with the play foods. And so Oreos were one where he would, you know, during online school, sneak downstairs if he had the chance and eat as many as he could and run back upstairs before they would notice. And within the first five, 10 minutes of our first session, he was like, if you just gave me the choice between an apple and an Oreo, I know you think I'm always going to choose the Oreo, but like, sometimes I really do just want an apple. And sure enough, once his parents gave him the permission to kind of have that autonomy with his food choices, he would come downstairs and grab a couple Oreos with a glass of milk and move on and it not turn into this whole thing. So a lot of times just neutralizing it from a young age, neutral, making food very neutral where it's like all these foods are presented to the kid can make a huge difference in their relationship with food. Because I have so many clients as adults now whose parents were really restrictive with sweets or certain foods. And that has caused them as an adult now to not know how to feel in control around those foods. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. I am Yakini. So one of my favorite topics to talk about and one of my struggles is binge eating. And as a person that recently, you know, was diagnosed with ADHD, I've learned more and more how those two things are tied together, but it's still a struggle. As I was sharing with Becca earlier, it's still a struggle for me. And it's something I work through literally on a daily basis. So I'm really excited about Becca being here because we're going to really dig into binge eating. What is it? How does it relate to ADHD? And where are some tips and tricks to work through it? So uh, Becca, welcome. Hey. Hey. So excited to get to chat with you again. You know, we both like, I think we both had kind of dove into the ADHD community around the same time. So it's cool to get to see how we've both grown and all the cool stuff we've both been doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, as I was sharing with you, you got to check her account out because I mean, she has such good information. She's grown quite a bit and I just appreciate you and I appreciate what you're putting out there. So I'm glad we're still connected. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So tell the audience a little bit about you. Yeah. So my name's Becca. I am a registered dietitian. I also have ADHD. I'm a dog mom. So I have a little fur baby. She's not really a baby anymore, but she's my <laughs> fur baby. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I love food, obviously. I've from personally, I've kind of run ran the gambit of eating disorders in my early adult life. And ADHD was probably a really missing component for me in understanding my relationship with food. So now it's nice for me to help kind of bring that piece in for a lot of my clients and the work that I get to do. So yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit yeah. about me. <laughs> so what were you diagnosed with? Remind me. I was diagnosed with hyperactive, the hyperactive okay. type. Okay. So yes. Right. Sometimes I have a little bit of the inattentive features, but mostly on the hyperactive side of things. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I really wanted to, t- to dive into this subject. So let's talk about yeah. binge eating. What is it? What is binge eating? Yeah. So binge eating disorder is 
defined as recurrent episodes of eating a large quantity of food, often very quickly and usually to the point of discomfort. There's usually a feelings of feeling out of control while you're in a binge episode. And then there's typically shame, distress, and guilt afterwards. And unlike bulimia, where there's usually some sort of compensatory behaviors afterwards, like excessive exercising or purging, none of those things happen with binge eating. And typically it has to happen if you were to get a formal diagnosis at least once a week for three months as part of it, but you can definitely experience this without it necessarily being a true disorder. You might just have, you know, <laughs> have yeah. periods for, or, or times where you eat a large volume of food yeah. at once. So yeah. And what are some of those triggers that people talk about when it comes to binge eating? So like for me, I know my trigger is when I was in school studying, somehow I related to studying when yeah. it was vacation time. Sometimes I would relate eating to that and staying up late, which I just shared with you. So what are some other triggers that might be related to binge eating? Yeah. I think a lot of times dieting or dieting is in a way as a form of restriction. So kind of, if you were to imagine a pendulum with restriction being on one side and overeating or binge eating being on the other side, typically the more we restrict, eventually the pendulum swings that opposite way and the binge or that or even just overeating tends to be more intense or more than what we're used to. So restriction, whether it's intentional or not, because I do talk to my clients a lot about that in the sense of like, it might not be that I'm intentionally restricting, but maybe it's, I I forgot to eat or I'm hyper-focused and I went, you know, six hours without eating. And even that sort of restriction during the day Mm -hmm. can set us up for the evening time being more likely to be, you know, I call it the hunger monster that comes out in the evening when even if you're not on meds, when you start to relax, or if you are on meds and your meds start to wear off and it's like, holy cow, I haven't eaten all day and I could eat everything right now. Like I need food that I talk about that a lot. Cause I think sometimes people think, oh, I don't intentionally restrict or I'm not doing it intentionally, but I think that still can play a part of it. Trauma can play into just kind of using food to fill a void a lot of times, whether that's emotionally I think is a big piece of that, of just unmet needs. So, you know, like if we're lonely, we might turn to food or if we're depressed, we might turn to food Um, or if we're stressed, you know, everyone's triggers are all going to be a little bit different. So I think identifying for you, if you are someone who struggles with binge eating, identifying what those things are, you know, it could be a stressful event, like, oh, I have this big thing coming up that, you know, and it could be that stress triggers it or whatever. So I think those things, and I think too, just, a lot of the messages in our society that like we have control over our food choices and our weight, I think plays into it as well. That like, you know, it's just about self-control, which is like, it's not really about that or even the idea that like that willpower, willpower plays into our ability with food choices a lot of the times because it really doesn't have anything to do with willpower. So think, and a lot of times I think it's the shame and guilt piece too with eating or eating something bad. And when we psychologically have rules with food like that, where it's like, Ooh, this food's bad. So it's like, I should, shouldn't be eating this. And, and you're like, Oh, well, I might as well eat all of it before it's gone. Cause I'm probably not going to allow myself to eat this bad food again. Or like, I'm only allowed to eat X amount of whatever food. And even that sort of restriction can trigger it to be like, Oh, to you for you to end up binging. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to some solutions because I wanted to share one thought with you. But before we do for uh, ADHD, so how can binge eating be tied to ADHD? Yeah. So one thing that a lot of the research has started to find with a link between ADHD and binge eating in particular is using food as a source of stimulation because especially carbs give our brains dopamine and food is really accessible for most people. And I think especially over COVID being at home more, it has been a tool that is more of a go-to because we don't have as much of our, you know, normal tools for stimulation, or we're not in an environment that is as stimulating when we're, you know, if you're always home. So food definitely can provide that stimulation. And because we struggle with self-regulation, that can mean we're more likely to overeat or binge. And I think emotional dysregulation as well plays into it. And as well as just not recognizing body cues. So I find people with ADHD have what's called called interoceptive awareness. So like being able to pick up on our body cues and act on them. So hunger, thirst, needing to go to the bathroom, all those sorts of cues we tend to struggle with recognizing until it's like screaming at us. And then we're like, I need to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> like, And we're running to the bathroom. Right. Same thing with hunger. We mm. do the same thing. Even if you're not on ADHD medication, I find that, you know, it's still very common to struggle with recognizing hunger cues and those body cues just because our we're usually so focused on our environment and you know getting that endless to-do list done that sometimes food just doesn't even pop up on the radar for us. And then at the end of the day, that's when that being ravenous and eating a lot of food to kind of make up for it in a way from what we were eating or from what we didn't eat all day. So sometimes it's almost I think people beat themselves up for binging in the evening times. But often it's it's really our body just trying to protect us because your body is like, hey, you didn't feed me enough today. So I need to like, we're going to, I need you to make up for what I haven't had. Okay. So I find that can be, there's usually a lot of shame and guilt there and fault, but it's, um, I found for me when I was struggling with binge eating, a healthy reframe was like, this is my body protecting me. And instead of beating myself up for it, trying to be kinder and gentler to myself with, with that when it would happen. Yeah. And I know the, one of the things that I struggle with is, so this is ironic when I eat pretty healthy during the day, whether it's smoothies and then I have some, some type of meat, just a really good eating throughout the day. I'm hungry all the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I am always going in there. So then I'll have another fruit and then I'll have another, you know, I just feel like I am yeah. hungry all the time. <laughs> but when I eat junk food, obviously it fills me up, right? You can eat a smaller portion of junk food and I feel full. Yeah. Whether, but when I eat the same portion of healthy food, I just feel like I'm always hungry. So that's something that I struggle with. Do you hear people struggle with that too? Get a mix. It depends. Everyone's a little bit different, but I do find a lot of times I call them junk foods, like play foods or fun foods, just to make it a little, little less of a negative term. But for me, I find a lot of times those foods are going to be more energy dense. Mm -hmm. So they can fill us up a little bit more. Whereas when we are eating more whole foods, like fruits and vegetables, the amount, the volume that we would have to eat to, you know, have that equal, even calorically to like, you know, if you're eating, let's say you're eating a bag of potato chips, 
you know, even, you know, that versus fruit, you're going to have to eat a lot of fruit or a lot of like non-starchy vegetables to get somewhere closer to that. So it is, it can be very common, I think, to feel that way, especially, I know for me, that was a very similar experience for me. I wasn't necessarily always hungry, but my hunger would be a lot worse in the evening when my meds would wear off because I was like, I don't know. I'd be like, I don't understand. I'm eating so good during the day. And then I'm still binging at night, but it was really still that it wasn't still enough for what my body truly needed at the time. Yeah. And that makes sense. And that's the part that I forgot to say is that when I eat really good through the day and I'm still hungry, I really make for it, make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That I'm like, yeah, okay, I have got to fill myself up. Right. And yeah, yeah so that's when the binge eating comes in. So as far as Well, I guess we talked a little bit about this is why is it hard for people to manage it? So why is it hard um, if you haven't talked to, you know, a lot about it? Why is it hard for people to manage their binge eating? I think because it, because a lot of their, because a lot of times there is unmet needs, we're turning to food as a way to cope with those unmet needs. And while, and a lot of times that's not going to solve whatever that need is, you know, like if you're lonely eating a pint of ice cream might help in the moment, but it's not going to actually solve the fact that you are lonely or whatever you're struggling with or whatever is triggering you. If you're not working or trying to work through whatever is triggering you to binge eat, then it's still going to always kind of be a continual thing. I think for people with ADHD, executive function really plays into that as well for why it can be challenging to manage. Um, Because, you know, being able to cook for ourselves requires a lot of executive functioning. And if you don't do that or you're skipping meals or you forget to eat, then you're going to probably end up being ravenous at some point in the day. So I think that and I think there's a lot of pressure. I think a natural response to binge eating is restricting. And that's kind of what keeps people in a cycle and kind of stuck in that cycle because you binge typically, you know, you're restricting in some way, shape or form, you have cravings, you end up binging, and then you feel that guilt and shame. And then you usually will like blame yourself. You're like, I see this, I don't have willpower, whatever, you beat yourself up for it. And you're like, this is why I shouldn't have these foods around. And then you restrict again, or you're like, oh, I binged last night, so I'm going to skip breakfast in the morning. And then you're just kind of keeping that cycle going and going. And I think that part makes it hard because it's a very natural and realistic thing. Well, if I ate too much, I shouldn't eat. But in, in reality, that keeps you kind of stuck. Gotcha. And I think a lot of times too, people get drawn into the idea of di- like dieting as a way to fix those things. And a lot of times going on a restrictive diet is going to, is another form of restriction that's going to kind of compound that, but it's not going to, it's not going to solve your binge eating, you know? Yeah, so Okay. Yeah. That, that does make sense. So one of the things that I struggle with is just finding a way to make it better. I try yeah. so many different things and I just feel like I end up in the same spot every time. So yeah. what are some ways for people to stop binging? Yeah. I think one big thing is learning your hunger cues and your fullness cues, kind of learning what those feel like. and finding ways that work for you and work with your brain, especially if you have ADHD to make eating consistently throughout the day, a little bit easier for you so that you are getting in enough. Because I find even if you are on medication that suppresses your appetite, I do find that a lot of my clients, when they start working with me, they'll be like, I do not know 
like my meds suppress my appetite. I'm never hungry on my meds. And then when we start working together, they're like, oh, I am hungry. It's more so that like, it's maybe a less classical sign of it's, you know, it's not a growling stomach. It's the afternoon headache I get. And so I just go get another cup of coffee because it's like, oh, I, I think I just need caffeine or, you know, or it's, you know, for me, I get angry at my internet speed as a weird sign of hunger on my meds, even though my internet speed has not changed. I just get really irritated. I'm like, if I'm getting irritated at an inanimate object, it usually means I need to stop and be like, when was the last time you ate, Becca? And I'll be like, oh, okay, it's time for a snack or it's time for lunch. Like, so for me, I think those pizza parts are really huge of knowing those things or, um, and kind of, if you are on medication, being able to to know what your hunger cues are on your meds versus off of your meds so that you have kind of that being able to different differentiate those things. Mm -hmm. And with the eating consistently piece, it's, I think figuring out those strategies to do that aren't always in the neurotypical lens with things. And I guess breaking with that is just breaking free with what you feel like you should do with eating. Cause I think a lot of times there's a lot of pressure to like, I need to cook everything from scratch or I need to do X, Y, and Z. And that might not be what works for you. Or if it's like, you know, if buying, for instance, like if I'm going to, I don't, I buy pre-cut fruit because it will literally have cantaloupe because I tried to, I, I always do this every once in a while. And then I just go back to <laughs> buying it pre-cut. There's a cantaloupe in my fridge right now because I was like, yeah, I'll cut the cantaloupe. It'll be great. I don't do it right when I get it. It's not getting done. And then I end up just throwing it away, but finding those, you know, removing the should with things of like, yeah, maybe I should be able to chop up pre-cut fruit, but if you don't like cutting vegetables and it's not your thing and they just go die in your fridge, being open to trying, buying the pre-cut fruit so that you actually eat it, you know? So I think finding strategies to make eating easier throughout the day for you, whether that's a meal kit or sometimes even I have a client who was like, I'm tired of ordering takeout every day at lunch. I want to make lunch, but I, you know, I don't have time with my schedule working from home. So I always end up ordering, you know, five guys or whatever. And I don't want to do that. So we'll end up finding like a pre-made meal service where many just does his lunches for. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is great because it, you know, it's a really great nutritious meal that I don't have to make. And all I have to do is pop it in the microwave during the day. And he was like, and it's honestly half like, I was spending $20 every time I'd order food right. on these apps. Right. And he was like, and this only cost me like seven, eight bucks a meal. So it was still saving money at the end of the day by doing that. So I think that can really help a lot and getting support too. Not necessarily, it could be from a dietitian, but I think just getting the support from people around you in your life, if that's possible to make, make eating easier. I love that. And so a lot of my audience um, are parents and I know you primarily work with, or you work with adults, right? Yes. And, but from um, just from a parent perspective, I see the same things with my child who is on medication and yeah. one things we talked about. So it's really interesting that you brought it up is really knowing your body, right? So he's still young, but I'm, yeah. I'm starting to teach him about listening to those signs. So yes, if he yeah. comes home one day, he'll say, I have a headache, right? And I will say, did you eat? <laughs> and he will yeah. say, eat today. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, really being able to connect the dots the same way. I also every so often take him off his medication, per partly because yeah. I want him to just to be free to eat during the day. And yeah. that's what we talk about. That's specifically what we talk about. So I will say, so you, did you realize that you ate all day? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. You didn't have my time. You're off medication. So your body yeah. is still telling you that you're hungry. And he doesn't, it's not like he, how do I say it, makes up for it. He actually just yeah. eats normally. It's normal. just normal yeah. all day. So it's not like he is binging because when he's full, he'll put it away. He won't eat the rest yeah. of it. So he really yeah. does connect there. But yeah. I'm just trying to teach him to connect with his body, you know, even now. So hopefully when he gets older, yeah. that will be a process for him. Yeah. I think that is awesome as a parent to be doing because it is, I think, teaching kids those things and that those messages from our bodies are really yeah. are normal and they're, they mean something. You know, our body is trying to talk to us when it's giving us messages. And the more you learn that, the easier over time it gets to understand those messages. And I think Mm -hmm. a big piece of that too is, is making sure our basic needs are met, you know, and in, when those things aren't met, it can be easier to turn to food as a way to cope. But when we have those basic needs met, it is easier to identify what those other messages are. Cause if, you know, if we're lacking sleep, you might be hungrier you know, because your body's like, I need more energy. So like, I'm going to be hungry or trying to make up for it and all these, you know, other things as well. So, right. Right. And, you know, one other thing I think I should, whenever we did our last interview is he now picks up lunch, you know, at the school. So that's why it's really on him to eat. Uh, Well, I mean, it's on him to eat regardless, but he picks up lunch at the school Well, when I used to pack his lunch or I used to have him pack it, I would make sure that there were things that he liked to eat and I would have multiple things. And some of it may be a couple of sweet things, just, you know, some things that he would like to eat, some healthy and some fun things, as you say. And that really helped with him choosing. And then I would say, just try to choose three things or something like that. Right. Yeah. Even though I would have five things in the lunch. So just, yeah. just try to choose three things, just pick three things that you like that in that moment and just to see how it goes. And most of the time yeah. that worked why it's a little bit harder for him at school because he doesn't always like the lunch food. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's like, right. and then I will put money. And so every once in a while he'll get him a snack because I do put yeah. money on the account, but yeah, it's just really interesting just to see. Yeah. That. And it's really cool to me when I see stuff like that, like you're giving your kid the place to be autonomous and make those decisions. And a lot of parents will freak out. Like if I give my kid the choice to eat these things, like they're all, they're only going to eat the quote unquote bad things as what a lot of parents will assume. But a lot of times that kids are very, are, are, in, are pretty intuitive, especially depending on their age that they haven't started to get, I feel like boys don't have tears as much dieting messages as younger girls do, but not hearing those messages yet that they will. Like I had a client whose parents was pretty, I've worked with one, like a couple kids. And the, one of them that I worked with, his, he, he really struggled with binge eating. And I think he used food as, as a way to play, but his parents were really restrictive with the play foods. And so Oreos were one where he would, you know, during online school, sneak downstairs if he had the chance and eat as many as he could and run back upstairs before they would notice. And Within the first five, 10 minutes of our first session, he was like, if you just gave me the choice between an apple and an Oreo, I know you think I'm always going to choose the Oreo, but like, sometimes I really do just want an apple. And sure enough, once his parents gave him the permission to kind of have that autonomy with his food choices, he would come downstairs, grab a couple Oreos with a glass of milk and move on and it not turn into this whole thing. So a lot of times just neutralizing it from a young age, neutral, making food very neutral, where it's like all these foods are presented to the kid 
make a huge difference in their relationship with food because I have so many clients as adults now whose parents were really restrictive with sweets or certain foods. And that has caused them as an adult now to not know how to feel in control around those foods. Never had that experience with it. So yeah, yeah. There's so many good things that you can do as a parent to really help your children. So it's just a yeah. matter of, like you said, just being open to doing things differently, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think talking about food in like a neutral way and letting kids get really curious about it too is always really, really help, helpful conversations yeah. to have with them. That's very cool. So, is there anything that we missed? Anything that you would like to share with the audience? Any other tips and tricks around yeah. ADHD and binge eating? I guess I, I probably haven't touched on intuitive eating as I mentioned, miss, miss that part a little bit. I find for me as someone, like I mentioned earlier, I kind of run the gambit of eating disorders. And for me, intuitive eating was the kind of the only approach that's allowed me to kind of figure out what works. Mm-hmm. So it lets me, it really allowed me to get curious and be like, how can I eat in a way that works for me? That makes me feel good. And, you know, work through all that, all the stuff without having to diet and, you know, not have, I used to feel like my whole half my brain was just a walking my fitness pal. And I'm like, now I'm just food's food. And it's so much better that way. So I think intuitive eating can be very scary. <laughs> I want to validate it because like the idea of, because I think having rules and things for our ADHD braids can be really nice, but that restrictive part also, sometimes it's just too much rules. So if you're curious about intuitive eating, there's a ton of research also to support it. So it's not just like something, some like woo woo thing. I used to think it was like woo woo that you could listen to your body <laughs> and, and trust your body around food. But there is actually really good abundance of research to support that it does help with disordered eating, but also helps with our overall health as well, which I think is really great. So. Yeah. Yeah. And when um, I used to work at another company, um, they brought in a lady who specifically that was her thing was intuitive. And I remember there was quite a few people who got on the program, but I clearly remember one guy who, I mean, he lost, I want to say around 60 pounds just by listening to his body, drinking his water, you know, exercising. He said yeah. it was the best thing. He had tried so many different things and that was the best thing yeah. that worked for yeah. him. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely can. Like to your point, I struggle with it. <laughs> and <I'll>, yeah. <laughs> I <won't> <laughs> yeah. And it's just something that I'm working through. That's just me. Yeah. But I know it works and he is healthy. Like even today, yeah. years later, like he couldn't keep it off for years. And years yeah. later, when he started intuitive eating, he kept it up because it was just, wow. I just listened to my body, right? He didn't yeah. deny himself food. Sometimes yeah. he had a taste for something sweet, but most of the time he had a taste for something healthy, right? So yeah. I thought that was really cool. It was really cool to yeah. see that transformation. Yeah. And I will say the intent of intuitive eating isn't always, isn't supposed to be weight loss because it is a weight neutral practice. I do I just want to make sure to emphasize that piece that like for some people you might lose weight and that's great. For some people, your weight might not change at all. For other people, your weight might might increase. I know for me, like there was a period of time where I I was in a I am in in a smaller body, but I was in a much smaller body at one point. And when I allowed myself to eat more, obviously my body needed it. Like I was right. restricting and not you know treating my body that way. And so there is there is a process there with that too. I think sometimes of just 
that neutrality with weight, but focusing on like how we feel and all the other indicators of health, like our lab work and all of that stuff that gives us like a much bigger picture of our health. And for me with, with clients with ADHD, I like to focus on like, how's your energy levels, you know, how's your ability to focus, you know, doing your tasks, being more productive, all of that stuff I like to focus on too, or, you know, is your mood more stable because you're eating more regularly. Like I had a mom I worked with who she was like, I was just angry all the time. And now I just like, I was just a mean mom. And she's like, now I eat consistently. She's like, I'm not angry anymore. She's like, this is kind of great. Like, and it was just one of those, like, I didn't realize that, you know, having these big stretches during the day where I just wasn't eating was making, you know, making my mood just very dysregulated. And so I think focusing in on those things that might not be a number on the scale, which is easy for us to see, focusing in on those things too, I think makes things more sustainable with our eating because, you know, feeling good and having, you know, having your ADHD feel a little bit more managed. Yeah. I think for most people, it makes it a little bit easier to like want to stick with it versus like, you know, it just being a number on the scale or, you know, something like that. Yeah, no. And that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because when we filled out the information, it wasn't always about weight loss. It was, do you want to feel better? Do you want to sleep better? So there was all these different things. He just stood out because it was just amazing that using this program helped him lose weight and really be connected with food. So I thought that was absolutely amazing. But to your point, it can be used in so many different ways. Yeah. So to your point, it's just about, just about just again, listening to your body and it will take you the right direction. So yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And I think that nice part you pointed out with um, your old coworker of like, I think most people assume with intuitive eating, like I'm just going to be drawn to all the play foods all the time if I don't have rules around things. But I always like to reframe it of like, how does those foods make you feel though? Like, yeah, yeah, you could eat cake and cookies and pizza and all of whatever you want to eat all the time, but would it make you feel good? And usually the most common response, like, of course not, like it wouldn't make me feel great. So, and they're like, oh, okay. So like it, when you are more connected to your body, it, you start to figure out what you need more of. And in a way that feels very natural versus like, having to track a bunch of things and be super meticulous, which I find is very hard for my clients with ADHD because like just a big brain suck of energy to have to do that every single time you eat. So it's like, okay, like I maybe I noticed, you know, my digestion system feels a little bit off and like, oh yeah, I haven't really been eating a lot of vegetables. So maybe I'm going to have some more so I could get some more fiber in and maybe things will be a little bit more regular and those sorts of things. So it's, I find it funny because people or like when my clients first start and they'll be like, I craved vegetables yesterday. Like (laughs) I never thought it was possible. And I'm like, I know it's kind of crazy. Like once you start opening up and listening to it and, and giving it what it wants, you start to navigate to other, other things you might not expect to be craving of like, I really wanted, I was craving Brussels sprouts the other day, or like, I really just wanted an apple. And like, it's kind of cool to see those, those shifts happen with people, at least for me in, in my work. That's awesome. So if people want any type of resources, what type of resources yeah. are out there on this topic? There's definitely some stuff on some eating disorder websites with binge eating. There's stuff, some stuff on attitude as well as Chad. There's some of them will discuss weight loss, which I was as like, uh, as part of it. And I don't always like, this is not <laughs> like, like you're telling people to lose weight, but also like don't diet. So I'm like, I was, I just like to preface that there might be those things out there. 
if you're curious about intuitive eating, there is an, a website as well. Like if, I think it's intuitiveeating.org. And there's also, they have a nice little page with all the study summaries. So if you're curious about like, what are some of the benefits to intuitive eating and all of that? I'd say that's a good resource. And Instagram has lots of resources, other dietitians, not just myself who work with ADHD or just work with disordered eating and intuitive eating. And I think following accounts like that can be really helpful, especially just to see that maybe some of your struggles are very common or to learn strategies and tools as a free resource, you know, to find those things that work for you. And um, some things will probably stand out and you're like, oh, maybe I do that. Or like, oh yeah, maybe that I shouldn't do that, you know, kind of things. Because a lot of times we hear so much information about what might help a lot of times. And sometimes it actually isn't what's going to help us the most. So that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. So if people want to get more information, Becca, how can they find you? Yeah, I am most active. I have a Facebook page, but I'm not really active there. So if you have questions, you're always welcome to shoot me a DM on Instagram. I am ADHD.nutritionist there. And I will try to answer your question. So that's probably the best place to find me. And if you're interested in working with me, the link in my Instagram bio is to set up a free 30-minute call with me to see if we're a good fit together to work together and kind of learn what my small group coaching program is all about. Sounds awesome. That's awesome. So thank you for coming back on. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for having me and creating space for very important conversations related to ADHD. I agree. I agree. All right, everyone. That closes up another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye. Bye, Becca. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.